Today on Octal FM, we are joined by a guest. Martin, a friend of ours and seasoned dungeon master, has joined us to talk about role-playing games, but not the video game variety, everything but. From tabletop to live action, we get the lowdown on what it all is and how to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Stefan. And we're joined today by a friend of ours, Martin, who's come to join us. Hello. And uh, you've come to talk to us about a hobby of yours you are involved with a lot in a few different ways. Uh, and that is, you do a lot of role-playing and you do a lot of like running of role-playing games. And also, I believe, am I right in saying you do some live-action role-play as well? Yeah, that's correct. I do both tabletop and live action nice and we thought it would be great to have a to have you on to have a chat for anyone that's interested like in in maybe getting involved in that you know in those kinds of things themselves or also i'm just curious i have some questions that i want to ask and i'm and i'm interested and yeah we thought it would just be an interesting kind of discussion to find out about and also some you know anecdotes and stories of games that have gone well and games that have gone (laughs) terribly i'm sure that there are many of those um yeah (laughs) <laughs> have we, we've, we've, we've done roleplay before on the the show. I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have talked about it at all. I think all. we've probably touched on it at times, right? Yeah. But I don't think we've ever had a full dedicated episode to it. I think the no, closest no. we've done is probably like a the board game episode we did. Mm. Yeah, right. Exactly. But this one's been on the back burner for a little while. Uh, like mm. I've wanted to get Martin on the show for a while and we just sort of like kept putting it off and putting it off. And then we were like, are you free? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> and I think... What's fun is that we all have quite different levels of experience with mm. role-playing. Like, I, I'm fairly confident in saying this, Martin, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we started at the same time, right? Like, we, our first yeah. games were literally, was the same game. We both played together, right? Because you live quite close to myself rather than down south with with Jal. And I think our first game was was sort of late, not one night, in the card game shop that we used to frequent quite a lot. And, yeah, we, we played Pathfinder for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, I still remember the game in bits but i do still remember your uh your rogue and my paladin that's it yeah of course <laughs> i mean just as some context as well for like listeners that sort of like follow along with some of the things that we ch- chat about um martin's one of the guys that i used to play Yu-Gi-Oh with quite a mm. lot like i've discussed that a few times in the podcast that I used to play so play what do you say competitive Yu-Gi-Oh, go professional Yu-Gi-Oh, something like mm. that yeah. Uh, yeah and you were you were one of the other members of the, the team as well so we, we sort of that's how we sort of know each other primarily through like those sorts of hobbies and then obviously you and jal met each other via the lands that we do as mm-hmm. well yeah uh, and then, other than role playing, though, before we get into that, what what, what else have you? What else are you into? What do you enjoy doing? Obviously, I enjoy uh, playing the the video games. We're playing a lot of Hades recently. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah, uh, yeah. which is I've uh, only got for Christmas present. It's been amazing. Very nice. Uh, mostly, I've been just running games. Really, running <laughs> LARP because LARP because I, I actually run LARP itself, uh, mm-hmm. live action role play. It's it's a lot of mm. of effort. It's it's a, it, it does feel like a second job at times, and also just come <laughs> off the back of running some uh, tabletop role play games as well. Mm. 
I will say that, yeah, there's definitely a big difference between playing and running in terms of the amount of mm, uh, effort mm. required to be put in. But it's it's a lot of enjoyment. I do. It. It's my main social hobby, mm. so it's it's been it's a lot of fun. But yeah, apart mm. from that, I'd say just gaming and uh, just general hanging out, really. We also just at least agree on the podcast, so it's there for record that you do have some terrible taste in anime. <laughs> I have the greatest taste in anime. Yes, of course you do. Um, and when we were talking about this episode today, we're not necessarily just talking about one form of roleplay. Like mm. a lot of people would associate roleplay with like things like Dungeons and Dragons. I think mm. is the one people always mm. come to, right? Definitely. But we're talking about all sorts of things as well. For example you've got the tabletop aspect, which is what Dungeons Dragons is primarily, but there's so many different systems and games that you can yeah. play with them within that format. But then you have the live action role play, which is like where you actually act it out, you know, mm. in person and you sort of personify that character entirely by a costume slash cosplay and, and sort of rules and stuff like that. But then I was also thinking like role play can be other things too. Like for example, I remember when we were in school, Joe, we did like a Star Trek role play via email chain. Oh yeah. You remember that? Man, that's, that's, and that's role play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like almost collaborative story writing, which I guess is what mm. role play is. But like that was, you would, you, it was ex- man. You say I know we've talked about it before, and once again, it had completely left my brain until you just said <laughs> it. that. That um, was definitely fired yeah. some old memory neurons up. I remember, yeah. that, I, can't even, I can't remember. The, it's a defunct site now, and I can't remember what it was called, but it was a like like a forum based chat where it was your your OC, your character, would go into a bar and just talk with other people. And I think that is actually my first ever experience of role-playing. Mm. <laughs> but that was sort of why I wanted to bring that up, right? Because most people have probably role-played at some point or another um, within their lives, maybe without even kind of realising it. And when we're talking about these, some of these topics, we're not necessarily talking about like all of them, but usually some of the discussion points can kind of cross over and bleed mm. into each other. So like when we might be talking specifically about like LARP related things, that doesn't necessarily mean it's exclusive to that. And all the tips and interesting things you have to talk about LARP aren't if you don't do this particular LARP role play session, then it doesn't matter. Like mm. there's quite a lot of crossover. So I think it's a if you're interested in role play in any form, I think this is going to be a quite a useful episode for you, listeners. Mm. But I think first off that I wanted to um, ask you, Jal, because I don't oh. know, right? Before we get into Martin, for you, Jal, what's what's your first role play game that you would consider as oh. role play? What like as in that I have done or that I would think about if I was wanting to get into it? Uh, well, both actually. That's okay. a very good point. Both. In terms of something I've done, I've I've done very little role playing at all. I once did a little bit of like a what was meant to be a one-shot type thing that ran on too long and we ran out of time (laughs) and i think that that is pretty much the only thing i have done apart Mm. from like drama which is like a a little bit wow Um, wow i remember i remember i think i think that's it i don't think i've really done anything um you know i've played a lot of rpgs but it's very very different um Mm, yeah and i think that the the first thing that i always think of is absolutely um dungeons and dragons like D mm-hmm. is, is like the, the first thing that comes to mind when i think about about role-playing right mm-hmm. i know of larping as well um it's funny actually it's it's in the uh it's in the common it's in the zeitgeist at the moment because there's like a subplot of hawkeye right which is about larpers um i don't oh, know right. if either oh, of you really? seen, oh, i don't know if good. either of you have seen hawkeye but there's no not yet yeah, features oh. larping features reasonably prominently in hawkeye <laughs> which is kind uh, of interesting i need to watch that because the uh the only other one is uh is, uh, is it role models the other one yes the, yeah which yeah, is yeah. which is 
the only other zeitgeist sort of film I remember mm. at the time, and, it, and it's not the best representation. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, like we should probably like address the elephant in the room that like role players as a whole are not exactly the most like favoured upon, sociably speaking, no. and LARP is even less so most of the time. <laughs> it's also, you know, the thing is, is it is it's interesting, isn't it? Because it is getting more. I think awareness yeah. of it is growing. Like, there's also the again, I'm I'm really just thinking about the things that I'm like aware of in in media is like henry cavill as well like defending role playing Mm, you know mm. and talking about it very seriously on chat shows where people Mm. are kind of like the the host might be kind of laughing at him a little bit um and he's like no it's really good it's like you should do it like that kind of thing yeah Uh, because i remember recently he was also discussing like warhammer and stuff as well which is kind of like tangentially related as well Mm. yeah i i think the more especially what we call standard tabletop role-playing games like uh, Dungeon Dragons, the more they become prominent and accepted, the mm. it almost goes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that LARP is just a, a more sort of dramatis personae version of, mm. of mm. it, and that itself becomes more accepted as well. Yeah. I guess also sort of thinking about a little bit more just general nerd culture, I guess critical role is a big part of kind of probably bringing mm. a lot of people into, into like you say, tabletop yeah. role-playing and... Yeah. and you know, I remember speaking to someone who was a, a is it a DM? If it's if it's Dungeons and Dragons, is it a Dungeon Master game or a GM? I don't know. Anyway, you would. They're interchangeable, really. Yeah. Okay. I remember speaking. There was someone who was like, yeah, like Critical Role has done so much for not only for like raising awareness of it, but also for like elevating other GMs' game, right? In the yes. sense of like, it's kind of like given people like a really good example of uh, of like a good game and like things that you can do as a as a as a dm because it's like it's quite an interesting game and the way that it's played out and the way that they did it um is, is kind of interesting mm. oh no no for sure it, it's an inspiring thing for people because mm. you you have a barometer almost to to live up to to a degree right it, and that is unfortunately does come with the negative of a thing called the matt mercer effect which right. is essentially more for players who join games expecting the level of the, the actual GMDM to be able to stand up to that right. level, mm. which unfortunately is unrealistic in most circumstances. But yeah, because because running a game is very different to playing a game, isn't it? Yes, yeah, for sure. There's responsibilities on both ends, but there's a lot more involved with running the game than mm. playing in the game. I guess that's that sort of ties into a question I have, which is thinking about as someone looking to get into into something like this completely fresh maybe they they might be there's i guess there's sort of potentially two angles there's kind of like the person that gets invited into like mm. where there's like there's a group of people that that have played before maybe or like there there's a, someone that is there's a group of people that are thinking of getting getting started with a game and that and you're getting invited in or there's the other side where you're thinking about being the leader in that situation and you're like I have some friends that I th- we've talked about it over drinks before and we've thought that it would be a great idea to, to do. And I think I'm going to be the, the GM. As you say, those two things are very, very different. And I'm guessing that playing a game is going to be easier introduction to running a game. But I'm sort of interested in like, is that is like running a game off the bat off the table, right? Because it's like you really should play one first or can you actually get started by by running I, a game potentially? I definitely think so long as you, you, you're happy with the people that you're with. Like if you're with friends, mm. I definitely think you, you can run without having played before. Okay. But I, I would definitely say you're, for someone who's never run before, it, it would be best 
probably to play in a game first, right. ideally. <clears throat> Mostly because you want to select something that's, that's relatively popular and, and relatively well-known. So mm. f- fifth, fifth edition right now, like back for me, it was Pathfinder. Mm. And now it's uh, fifth edition where there's, you know, there's plenty of people running games and it's something you can either online or in person join in a game. And you can get, right. you know, a few weeks, you can get a feel for how the game works because mm. you can read a book as much as you want. Mm. And, but it, you only really take in how that mechanical side of the game works once you get into the actual playing of the game because then you see right. all the moving pieces. And then that also ties into um, how you want to run your game as well because you will have no style until you start to play and you might find that this type of game doesn't mesh well with how you want to run, mm. which is how, what I found when I first started running was I ran with Pathfinder, which mm. is the most he- mechanically heavy, but it's definitely got, especially now, a lot of options and a lot of different ways to create characters and create worlds. What kinds of things to- would that be? Like, what are those sort of, when you say like there's like like there's a bunch of mechanics, there's like lots of options, what kinds of things is that? Well, so obviously the main thing is the dice. So right. uh, D20 is the most common one, but there's a, a bunch of different types of uh, dice games. Mm-hmm. So there's percentile dice, which is 1 to 100%. Mm. D20 is 1 to 20. Or just pure D6s, which is just a standard die, 1 to 6. Mm. Just, to, just to clarify, just for anyone that doesn't realise like what that means, like D20 is a 20-sided dice. Right. Like it's not like a regular dice that has like the number 20 on it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... You might find, for example, for me, um, Pathfinder, The talking about the mechanics of it is things like how many rules are there and how deep do those rules go? Right. So in Pathfinder, it's on the surface, it's relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, because of how expansive the, the books are now are and because of how many options they've given, your ability to create a character has multitudes of layers and it can get and it, it can be as complex as you want it but obviously you get that feel of well my character's not as good as it could be or hmm. and that also again depends on player style but for people who like to sort of really go into nitty-gritty of building it gets deeper and deeper whereas some systems right. are very light on it they'll have like only a few rules or a few options that can be applied to multiple situations okay and they are sort of I won't say more focused on the roleplay, but they they feel like they give more breathing room for the roleplay to come through. Right. That was one thing that I was going to mention was that like one of the things that I found in the the different game systems that I've played over the years is is always difficult to make that balance and that meshing of those two elements of the game work. Like Pathfinder is a good example in the sense because that was the first game I played as well and that it feels more like a game than a roleplay session a lot of the time like you Mm. feel like you need to know your character sheet almost like a board game or like a computer game Mm. whereas some of the other game systems I felt is like for the most part the dice rolls and the character sheet is more just there to sort of like have an idea of what you can and can't do as well Mm. but for the most part you can do what you want as long as it sort of makes sense within the rules of the world and the person that you're trying to portray right interesting it sounds like you know you mentioned earlier like about about warhammer which is a tabletop game where you're Mm -hmm. moving figurines around right like it's it almost sounds like in some ways pathfinder is like 
it's almost towards that end, right? In a way, in the sense that, because like with Warhammer, there's not really, there's no, there's no role playing aspect to it, but it's a lot more like in the sense that like there's a lot of rules and like you're playing out a game more like a game, right? Whereas I know it's still a big jump, but like that's sort of what I, when when you say that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I can sort of see the the comparison and like the sliding scale to it in a way. Yeah. So I've, I've run um, a Warhammer role playing game. Um, mm, okay. And, <laughs> It is incredibly rules heavy. It's mm. it's it's akin to playing the tabletop essentially. Yeah. You could quite literally have just play the tabletop Warhammer and just add in a story to it. Yeah, some fluff, some flavor. Yeah, yeah. and it would just work out the same. That, yeah. It's that heavy. Interesting. And I've on the opposite spectrum, I've run things like Fate, which are a very simple uh, just D six system with right. only really four options available at any given time, but because they are flexible and able to be applied to multiple situations, it's more narrative. So okay. a lot of the stuff is more focused on what do you want your character to do? Mm. Let's let's roll these dice to see. And the dice more facilitate, was that a success or not? Rather yeah. than rather than absolute, you know, the rule of law. It's mm. it's more of a case of you'd want to do this cool thing, which isn't in the, you couldn't do in the rules of a, of a more like Pathfinder or Warhammer style because it's right. too rigid. It's more flexible, but obviously that depends on the player because if a player has a lot of, uh, I think the more experienced the player is, the more they get, to, they understand what they're getting into. Hmm. So going, going in, if you're a brand new player, going to something like fate is going to be very difficult because you're oh, constantly okay. going to be wondering what do I want to do in this situation? You're gonna because you've got so much freedom. It's almost like the choice of paralysis choice. Interesting. Yeah, sure. So in some ways, like having a game like that, where yeah, there is a lot of freedom to, to and variety and so, freedom for like expression or like you mm. know, coming up like inventiveness. That in some ways is maybe more difficult to get into because mm. yeah, like it's a bit more overwhelming. Yeah, it's 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 why the best starting point is is smack bang in the middle where you've right you you can do the role play but it's be, essentially it's best if i would come up with a character concept and can you make that concept in the game right and right. if that's true it means you can have the role playing aspect of your character concept and also have it mechanically relevant within the system right and it's right. almost like using the mechanics of the game to sort of like as a crutch for your flexing of imagination right mm. because like, I think that's the key thing is a lot of people are almost afraid to imagine and then to try and input that imagination into the game itself. And so when you have a game like Fate, for example, where you can kind of do anything realistically, you like you say, you have a choice of paralysis. Sometimes you need that little bit of rigidity just to sort of get you in the mind space of how to play these games in the first place. Yeah, and, and obviously the more you play and the more you experience, the more you free yourself from the necessity of the rule system. Mm -hmm. um, and that leans you towards being able to play in games where it's more freeform, which coincidentally is what happened with my with my first ever game I ran, which was uh, Pathfinder. And everyone started with <clears throat> characters, all standard and rolling all the dice. And as the game went on, I realized as a, this is my first game, I realized that I prefer a more freeform system. Mm -hmm. So slowly as the game evolved, luckily I was with friends and, than people who were willing to you know, adapt to the system was, and eventually it was we use less and less dice, and there was less and less dice rolling, right to the point where there was no dice. It was just 
talking, essentially. It was just like a mm. role-play forum at that point. But then I realized the problem that comes with going that far, which is it was great until conflict happened. And right. then once conflict happened, when it was player versus me, it was kind of fine because I could kind of understand what the characters could do because of the previous roles that they'd had. Mm. But when it came to a very an incident where they were disagreeing and there was a needed player versus player interaction, not not combat, but socially, yes. someone had to win, there was no decider. There's no way to right. resolve that conflict. And obviously, both parties are going to believe that they're right. So right. you can't, except for having an incredibly long talk, there's, there's no like quick way to cut to the decision that's been made. Mm. And it ended in rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I <laughs> guess the most basic <clears throat> of mechanics possible. Yeah. I guess it's interesting. That's, that's an interesting point. Like, like you say, like where you, where you go from like just role play, like the, again, the rules and the, the dice rolls and the mechanics and the structure help to move those things along because it is just, otherwise it is just imagination and you are going to have those situations where people just disagree with like because people have different ideas about what should happen in this mm. f- fantastical setting right yeah and so that's kind of what that's there for right, sure I, I had a, a question sort of related to something you know when you were talking about that you know like that coming up with a character that fits in the environment and things like that and also talking about the like different you know different levels of whether you've got loads of rules or not a lot of rules like one of the things that I always think about if I think about if I was going to start role playing like a role playing game of some kind is like I would be nervous about being able to to be imaginative or like to to mm. to be able to like get involved from a like storytelling point of view because is it like again from another thinking about something that's a little bit different but I sort of draw parallels to is like improv right so like you can you know people go to like improv classes and or like uh, and like or a part of like improv groups right where you're like improvising something and i kind of see role playing games there's an element of that right there's an element of improv there's an element of being able to like think on your feet a little bit and like mm. kind of and, and kind of like help shape the game obviously the part part of the dm's role is is to is to help move things along but i guess my question is like do you have any suggestions or tips or things that you think help in situations where people might be starting and be like i don't know if i'm going to be able to be like imaginative enough or like like i don't know i don't know how to to do that it's been a long time since i like role played and made stuff up like what would you sort of suggest to someone or what have you suggested to people i think the biggest thing is to remember that the game you're going into is a collaborative effort. It's mm. it's player and and GM. This it's not a unless you want it to be. It, it's not a competitive <laughs> environment between yeah. the GM and the player. Right. There are sometimes this game wants to go that way, but that's 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 more of a different style of of, yes. of role play. But I would absolutely suggest that for people who are like trying to work out what to do, how to be inventive, how to improv, mm. you, you should talk to the the person running the game. Right and sort of ask what sort of setting I'm going into. What what is your sort of style? What kind mm. of of game are we playing in? Right, you know. It, and then from the ask, you can even ask for what kind of character would be good in this this right. scene. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just the act of engaging with the person running the game mm. is going to get your like imagination juices flowing. So you're right. going to start start to think about oh, this is a 
we're fighting the, the undead lich sort of game. So we're going to be fighting tons of undead and it's going to be in this kind of like forest into wasteland setting. And mm. it's in a, you know, an apocalyptic world or something like that. Or like mm. it could be standard medieval world. And just the act of talking to about what the GM has kind of planned, because the GM will be happy to, uh, you know, explain these situations because uh, they want, especially for myself, I want my players to have the best experience they can have within the setting right. I've created. So the GM should always be help, as helpful as possible to a player who is mm. struggling with coming up with ideas. And I do think that once you do start to talk to the GM, you're going to get a spark of imagination. Yeah. And it could be a wild idea that you just, you know, you just think of, but there's no reason that couldn't be grounded in the world that they, mm. that you're being created. And, then you'll start talking to them about this idea and solidifying where it would fit in and how it would work within the rules. And then right. everything else is going to breed off that essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So it's sort of the, like having some discussion around the game, right. That, like, like with the GM or whatever, like to, and, and some thinking around the game to, 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 to mm. like help kind of with preparedness, I guess, in a way of like, like having some, you know, doing some of that thinking so that you've sort of got some ideas ready to go and you've kind of, you know, and you also a little bit of confidence there, I guess, by from speaking to the person who's running mm. the game and they're sort of like validating maybe some of your ideas or, or thoughts on suggesting things you kind of, that gives you that little bit of confidence to be like, okay, well, I know that this is like, that I'm on the right lines. Like the, the things I'm coming up with make sense or, you know, I've yeah. been suggested these things. So I know that that's going to work well and it's going to like like you say it's really interesting it's it's it seems obvious but it's really key what you said how it's a collaborative effort everyone wants the game to go well and everyone wants everyone to like feel involved right that's the whole yeah. that's what makes a good game not just you're not just in it yourself like in a way yeah. it's like you're you're a team even if there's conflict in the game that's still that's part of the game right and it's like as a yeah. as a team you're actually all working together one of the things that i remember really strongly about one of the early games that we played mm. was weaker members i say weaker mm. members less confident members would often get like outshined by the more like sociable and mm. like talkative or confident people mm. And one of the things that I found was really good about getting around that, and I'm sure maybe Martin, you can elaborate for me, is having a piece of backstory for every character and having that maybe less confident person's backstory be like the main focal point for a short while. Right. Because that way the main, the, the more confident people who are more sort of like active and talkative and whatever are actively engaging with that quieter character and what background they've created. So thus you're engaging with their content more directly. And as a result, that will like help bring them into the forefront of like the gameplay and the discussions. And, and again, also give them some extra confidence to sort of like collaborate more whilst you play. Yeah, for sure. I've I've had it for, for two different ways. I've had one where it was just a just purely a socially confidence thing where the person was quiet and shy. And it's fine, I think, to be a audience, like an observer, essentially within the game. Mm. So long as as long as you're, you're contributing to the, the the you know the discussions and the main focal point, but you're happy to mostly sit back and watch. But there's a difference between that and someone who wants to engage but mm, can't right. find the confidence to engage. Right. So I think definitely the background sort of like why is your character here why is your character adventuring mm. what 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 are they here for and involving them and making the story a little bit more prominent 
naturally forces them to engage, but in a way that they're more comfortable with because they wrote that background. And I've had people who have also been the same, but there's had no background because they've they've been too scared, not scared, but sort of like lack of confidence to mm. want to impose themselves on the world, even mm. though even though the world itself is designed for them, you know, it's <laughs> for them to shape to the to the mm. the whims. And I find for them, the best way you can do that is to to bring them out is, for example, one was a paladin designed to kill undead, was to have a very heavy section of the game be purely undead Mm. so that their character naturally shines. And that gives gives them so much more confidence in talking because mechanically they're comfortable. They know that their character is going to be strong in the situation and everybody else is sort of leaning into them. Mm. So they become the focal point and then they open up a little bit and then they start, mm. you know, th- talking about, you know, and the questions come up as like, why did, why are you so good at this? And then they improv essentially. Mm. And then yeah. once yeah. once that starts, that's, that's it. You know, they've, they've gotten in mm. and that's, that's, that's problem solved. Mm. So very much is just giving someone a small push effectively to sort of get them going and break past that initial ice barrier of, of maybe just a little bit of confidence issues or not quite sure who to, you know, put, impose upon. Yes. And it, it comes with experience that you'll find, you'll know the difference between someone who is lacking confidence, wanting to engage, and someone who is absolutely happy to be a more passive quite member passive, of Perta. Yeah. But mm. only if the party can facilitate a passive member. Mm. Because one of the things that, and this is a little bit personal for me, and you know this, Martin, because you obviously GM for me sometimes as well, is like, I have the opposite problem in that, like, (laughs) I always want to be involved. I always want to be talking and solving the problems. And and like, no matter what my character is, I often find I end up sort of leading the situation because I'm quite a natural leader. But my character might be like the literal opposite of that sometimes. And I'm like, I have to rein myself in. And I can imagine that can be quite difficult for a GM to try and manage as well sometimes too. It can be sometimes, but it's only really an issue when there's two people trying to do that and mm. they're not in sync. When it's two people in sync, it's fine because they just they just work off each other real well. But when yeah. it's two people not in sync, both playing very vocal characters and both naturally quite vocal, it can come to loggerheads a bit too many times. Yeah. And yeah. and it couldn't be it's necessary it's not you know, antagonistic between the players. It's just Things that should only take a few minutes can end up taking a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I do think that the thing is, these like yourself, you're you know you, you are very socially talkative and very confident in taking the lead. I think a party definitely needs somebody like that all the time. And I think especially those because I've I've had one of my friends who plays those kind of characters, you know, very sort of confident social characters, play a complete opposite. You know, pure muscle. I'm here to to do you know hit the person and I don't mm. really and I'm not very good at talking and my character's not good and just watching them not enjoy the game because right. <laughs> because they they they're putting that restriction on themselves because like oh I want to try something different but they quickly realize that there is a reason you never you know you you gravitate towards these characters it's fine to to put yourself in a different situation but I do feel like once you put yourself in that situation, if you quickly realize that you're not enjoying it, you should just yeah. talk to, play to your yeah. strengths. Yeah, play, play to your strengths and then like deviate from there. Don't try and completely cut yourself off from what mm. you're, you enjoy. No, it absolutely makes sense. And I can imagine a lot of people listening to this and thinking, oh, I fall into one side or another. 
And I think the the sound advice keeps coming back to just talk to your GM, who is yeah. typically going to be the most experienced member of your group in terms of like role play chess in general. And they will almost certainly, mm. again, assuming this is like a positive social environment, which is probably is if you're doing it with these people, yeah. right? Because you want to. Yes. Um, they do have your best interest at heart. So like, yeah, just be open and talk to them. Even if, if you've been embarrassed, even just talk to them in private maybe about it. Yeah. And, and I definitely think... Well, well, as long as like, obviously you talk about a positive environment, obviously if if you find yourself in a situation where you're not enjoying the game or it's not a healthy environment, just just leave. Like honestly, yeah. it's it's my biggest. Like, sometimes it sucks because some of these people are your friends, but just explain to them this mm. isn't for me because of X, Y, and Z. And you'll find quite quickly people will either change because they realize they're being you know not the nicest of people or you have avoided a terrible situation where, yeah. you're, where you, you might have been stuck for quite a long time, yeah. time obligated to be there it takes quite a bit of time right like it's not i think generally it's a reasonable commitment right to get involved in a game yes yeah for yeah. sure yeah so you don't want to it's, waste your own time or anyone else's really because obviously you know we're all busy people and whatever time the schedule that you're doing is a few hours usually Mm. two to depending on how long you run i'd say two to five hours depending on how mm-hmm. long the game you want to run is i'd, I'd say mine's settling between three and four most of the time and that's a lot of time and if you're not enjoying yourself and mm. it's it's just you're gonna start dreading it and then it's mm. just gonna be a bit of a bad time on your day and and there's people out there games out there that will perfectly suit what you want to enjoy from a game mm-hmm. and and you should spend more of your time searching for those rather than yeah. trying to hope that this game is going to get better i just want to pivot slightly because I, we haven't really talked about it too much but i'm absolutely fascinated to do so and talk a little bit more about larping specifically mm. because a lot of the discussion has been primarily around tabletop but of course like i said at the beginning of the episode some of this bleeds through into all types of role play right but Taking the same conversation we just had about like how do you sort of break into doing the game and how do you sort of like you know put your stamp on it and, and all those kind of things. How would you do that in LARP when you're <laughs> physically there doing it? Like, I mean, even me as the relatively confident person I am, I remember the first time I stepped foot into a LARPing session wearing like a like a hand-me-down tunic or something and yeah. feeling so awkward. <laughs> I don't think there's any real apart from people who've always done drama before essentially um i don't think there's any real way to avoid the what is going on here like (laughs) the first session and it's it's in itself is a very unique thing because i think if you're i remember my first time then i sat there going what what is happening i i don't know (laughs) what on earth is going on (laughs) i think everybody has that experience the first time they, they do live action role play and i definitely think that in that moment, you'll find out whether or not you get kind of curious for more or if it's not for you, essentially. Mm. Mm. And if for myself, it was it was curious for more. And you tend to find, you start to, because obviously most live action role plays, unlike, unlike a tabletop, where a tabletop is, the GM is going to come up with the world and then you play in that world and then the world goes away once it's finished. Uh, a lot of live action role players, because they've been usually been around for a while, they have like a pre-established like background in history. Mm-hmm. So you you the more you attend, the more you start so, start to absorb that history itself, and from the interactions right. you'll be witnessing. Yeah, and yeah, then, these games typically have like a defined culture already at this point. Like they may have been around for like ten plus more years, and yeah. there's a lot of background already. And there's, there's you you're more like you're joining a society rather than joining a game, I suppose, aren't you? Yeah, that is definitely more accurate for it. And the 
one of the big things for running, as I have done, is when we get new players, is I want to give them the simplest historical character I could give them, something that doesn't matter where they are or what they know, that character will still work. So you give them something like, um, in our system, it would be like a barbarian, uh, a, a shaman, essentially. So someone who is of the forest and the spirits. And they don't really need to know any world lore because they are from somewhere that doesn't particularly interact with it. And they can be here just for a good fight. You know, there's no major reason why they've attended. It's because they just want a good fight. And that lets them not have to worry about the character's motives. So when they start, when they get asked questions, they can answer them in quite a simple way. But then it allows them to interact with the world on the prerogative and be able to, you know, passively absorb information as well as actively mm. go up and talk and then, and also engage in the, the combat itself. And mm. that, you know, will start to stepping stones lead into once that character's had it, you know, that character will evolve naturally because it, it may have come in as the very basic character, but then they'll realize that this particular thing grips them and then they'll, they'll yeah. navigate towards that. And then they'll, they'll, the character, the first guy, like my first character did, it will flex and change and then eventually becomes what it would have been with, mm. the, with, with all this information. And then the character dies or retires um, and then they bring in the next character, but that, that character is going to have all of that history. So then they can, mm come in with something that they fits the system, fits the history mm. and a bit they more direction with. with what they yeah. want as a person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. I remember that happened very much with my first two LARP characters, only two really, I think. And then the first one was very much like, and didn't really know what I was doing on who I was or what I was there for. But what I did discover while playing that character was like, I'm far more interested in like the social element of this game, mm. like talking to people and sort of like, you know, weaving conspiracies and things mm. like that, than I was going out and, you know, hitting people with swords and stuff like that. So then my second character was very much all about that. And I was much more of the talking to people and conspiring rather than, you know, investing in the rule set of like, you know, sword and shields and magic and stuff. Mm. Oh, no, for sure. And yeah, that happens with, I think that happens with everybody who starts with those characters because for myself it started off as i was just a mage with a bit of attached history to some of the, the, the friends that were in the system and then slowly as as i played i learned how to larp essentially as as you play you learn more on how to actually do larp itself and as that came to pass i my I found my character more and more evolving Especially, I think the turning point for me was when I got my first piece of actual costume, when I purchased my first, instead of lending and borrowing from the, the the club, the society itself, I was, I had my first commissioned piece. And then that, mm. at that point, I'd, I'd sort of realized. You felt the real skin of the character yes, almost, like literally. Yeah, yeah, like literally sort of like solidified, ah, this is me. And then it went from there. Nice. I mean... I, the one thing I want to ask before we sort of start wrapping up is I want to hear some horror stories about LARP as well, because I imagine it can be really fun, but I can imagine there's also some pretty cringy moments or some quite like silly moments where people like whack someone with the sword a bit hard because those things aren't soft. Like those things hurt, right? So, okay. So I've had, um, oh, there's a lot. So there's the time I was playing a zombie. So, uh, and in our system, zombies are quite tough. So you have to essentially take out all of the limbs and then they will and then the 
torso and then they fall over. But if you do take out the torso, the limbs continue to work, unlike most people whose whose torso goes out, they, they fall unconscious. And I remember fighting a, a relatively new player in in the dark, pretty much, <laughs> as the sun was setting, wearing in the freezing cold, wearing a grey tunic, and they were striking my chest. But they were striking directly above my sensitive area in the chest and straight up my nipple <laughs> over and over again. And because I couldn't fall over because I was a zombie, I continued to walk towards them where they continued to hit me harder and faster in that area over and over again to the point where it was basically unbearable and I just fell over anyway because it was just too much. It was just painful to take. <laughs> rules be damned, I'm lying yeah, down. R- yeah. Rules be damned, I'm going down because this hurts way too much. Uh, and we've had... We've had the uh, quite recently i've had the the, the trifecta of being sh- uh, we don't we're not a head hit system so we don't hit people in the head the about the someone firing a bow and arrow and obviously that you can't control well you can control but it sometimes the distance isn't perfect and uh, i got hit in the face then in Oof. the throat and then in the testicles oh dear one after the other <laughs> well, that person had it out for you, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, you got them back, right? You you like set them against like a nasty challenge, right? I hope <laughs> uh, they they got scared after the next fight I brought in, so it was uh, it was a bit of revenge there. But yeah, it's um, I'd say yeah, it it can obviously with the physical system, you are expecting some physicality. It doesn't hurt too much for the most, you know, most most of the attacks are, are fine. It's just the odd one gets a little bit of a sting on it. Yeah, I mean, it took me a little bit of time to realize, like, oh yeah, I need to pull my blows because this can quite this can sting like a bugger, especially when it's cold. <laughs> yeah, don't don't hit with all your force. Uh, tap tap people. Don't uh, smash yeah. people with your weapon, otherwise it will hurt. <laughs> they are designed to, you know, they are designed to pad the blows, but uh, you know, putting real force behind it will still hurt. And one of the last things I wanted to bring up about LARP that I kind of forgot to kind of ask you about is like the size of the games can be really mm. varied, right? Because I mean, mm. when we did it, we our games were what, like maybe 10, 15 people? But I yeah. also know like you go to kind of big events where there's like hundreds of people or more. Yeah, so local one is about, uh, depending on, it waxes and wins depending on its university town. So it's like between 10 and 20, depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you've got the large ones I've been to, which are like 20 to 50, and then the really big ones which you know thousand plus people um and you find that as you scale up the size of the players you scale down how difficult the rules are to the point so (laughs) so obviously at at the biggest ones it's just very simple you mostly it's just about hitting each other because everything else is just you know somebody's yelling a magical spell at you from 20 yards away and you don't even know it's you that it's targeting so you're like have to sort of try and yell something distinct about that person like you and the yellow and blue tunic fall down and, <laughs> um whereas obviously at the more local level you can have incredibly complicated spells that require mm. you to know the rules and but i do i do think one of the things you find coming scaling from up to down is at, at the highest level where it's a thousand plus people you'll find that plot or the actual um, you know, goings on of the world, you're less directly involved with, right? You, uh, because you know, th- there's only so much one person can do in in a sea of two thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more mm-hmm. like a, it's a huge collaborative effort of usually an entire faction mm-hmm. all working together. So it's more about your wheel within the cog. Whereas as you scale it down, it becomes more sort of heroic. So 
the single person can change the course of history more mm. in a in a more local version. Right. Interesting. I want to and I want to close out with a question of what is your most memorable role play moment? Like mm. what's doesn't matter if it's good or bad, like what time do you remember more than anything else where you like you look back on that very fondly or maybe very painfully? I don't, know. <laughs> don't end on it. Don't end on a bad one. No. <laughs> so I think I think one of the ones I bring up a lot is um, how my expectations were subverted in my first ever game I ran. So I ran a game where I wanted my players to go around the nations of the world for this encroaching alien invasion, essentially, Cthulhu was coming, and to gather a huge army. And then once the meteor landed that was bringing the invading force, they would have a huge fight, go inside and stab the heart of the alien and then victory would be had what happened was (laughs) i had two overarching npcs that they were interacting with which was helvelion the angel of armageddon and malthos the dark demon and these were essentially supposed to be guiding npcs to two different faction the two different types of factions that they could interact with to sort of guide them a little bit so one of my players decided that when the clouds of the angel spoke, that they would intimidate the angel, which shouldn't work, but they rolled <laughs> a natural 20, which means you succeed on the skill regardless of difficulty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they essentially brought this person down, and they spoke to them in person rather than just being like a messenger, which led to a series of events. Uh, of interacting with the two big NPCs rather than trying to go around the factions were instead of doing what I thought was going to be running around the factions to collect an armies, they were instead running around the factions to find all of the cultists that were trying to summon these, these otherworldly creatures down and then sieving the world of them. So essentially they would <laughs> they plane shifted everybody but the cultists to, a diff- to the, d- the dark demon's dimension then they brought down the Angel of Armageddon to Armageddon the world and destroy all the cultists, therefore ending the invasion because there's no more cultists to summon the, the bad guys. <laughs> but it did end up with them, the ending of the game was that the world had been Armageddon. And during the course of the game, they had created a brand new god, the god of nature and life and rebirth. And they got to name the god, the elven god Steve. <laughs> of course they did. Who then of gave course. them the option to the the game essentially ended with them giving the option to mold the world they to they got to mold a part of the world in their image. So each player got to have a section of the world created in their image and how they wanted it. And then years later down the line, I ought to run the game again uh, in that world, but with the world essentially. Nice. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> the best thing about role players is role playing. And the worst thing about role playing is the players. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's I like that. I like that the the uncertainty from the dice roll, right? That just completely <laughs> completely changes the the game and your expectations of what of what was going to happen. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think the golden rule basically is just stay flexible. Yeah, stay flexible. Absolutely. Yeah, be ready for a lot of improv. Nice. Amazing. Well, this has been really really interesting. Really good chat. Um, uh, certainly. Um got to find out some answers to my questions um and and also really interesting to hear these different stories about the different (laughs) games that you've played um 
for anyone uh, listening, if you've got any further questions you want to ask, uh, then you can you, you can get in touch with us. And, you know, if there's, a, I don't know, and if we think of anything as well, we might do a follow up episode and chat more mm. about some of this stuff. I feel like detail. we've only scratched the surface in mm. some areas. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, if you want to get in touch, send us an email, show at octal.fm or send us a tweet at octal.fm on Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Uh, and thank you very much, Martin, for taking time out to, to chat to us about your, your favorite hobby. Um, no, and great. T- tell us some, share some of these stories. Thank you very much. And until next time, I've been Gelada. And I've been Sefran. And catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM very soon.